0: All right, we're trying something new this week, a bonus podcast with ultramarathoners Sage Canada. as we begin our exploration, sponsored by Hoke One One of the Ultramarathon and what are the best ultramarathons in the world. Our talk with Sage was at the back end of our podcast last week. If you've already heard it, stop now, but we're bringing it out as its own podcast. The highlights are typed up on Let's Run, and you can find them in the show notes This whole exploration is sponsored content by Hoka One One. They've given us carte blanche to do what we want. And we started off with friend of Let's Run, Sage Hannaday, and Hoka Athlete to try to help us learn something about the ultras. And he does a pretty good job of opening up the ultra marathon world to us. And we think it'd be helpful for you guys to listen to this. If you'd like to participate in the exploration, win some great Hoka prizes, you can do that as well. But here you go, hour and a half with Sage Canada. all right everyone for the next month actually five weeks on let's run.com we're going to be exploring thanks to Hoka Oneone, what are the best ultra marathons in the world and we'll probably be exposing some of our ignorance because we at let's run.com do not know much about the ultra marathoning world but Hoka came to us proposed this idea we said yeah that's great and they've pretty much given us carte blanche to do whatever we want. So we decided to start with a friend of Let's Run.com, Sage Candidate, to help us guide the discussion. We're going to be having a lot of user input on this. We want your submissions on Let's Run.com. You can win great Hoka prizes. We'll have more on that. But, Robert, how about you introduce Sage Candidate?
1: Well, I will, but I need to make a correction first. I think you're not giving us enough credit. You said they came up with the idea. I think we came up with the idea, and they agreed with it but maybe i'm wrong i always like to take credit for like inventing the name let's run.com weldon says he did it but i like to to take credit but yeah weldon's right we don't know a lot we like to say we know distance running but we don't know the ultra scene and the ultra scene in recent years has started to fascinate me because it reminds me of like running for maybe 30 or 40 years ago it seems like there's sort of more surprises in it you don't know everything about it seems more interesting to me, but maybe that's just because I don't know enough about it, but to learn more about it, we have brought my former athlete at Cornell, the man who has his own Wikipedia page, the man who is 14 times more popular than let's run.com. He's 143,000 YouTube subscribers, Sage Canada, Sage guys. He ran for me at Cornell. He was a modest high school rec- recruit from Oregon, Eight forty six, 3000 13th in the state meet. He ran against Galen Rupp. Of course, Galen won that state meet. But uh, he really over-exceeded expectations at Cornell. He was the 2007 HEPs Ivy League runner-up in cross-country, qualified for NCAA Nationals that year, was 83rd at the NCAA cross-country meet. 2008, he was on fire. He won the Ivy League 10,000 meters and was also the youngest person at the 2008 Olympic Marathon Trials. So, Sage, welcome to the program. Please help educate us.
2: Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. Uh, great to catch up with you guys.
1: Was, was that applause, Weldon? Was that that was
0: good? supposed to be applause.
1: Oh, very good. But yeah, so anyways, while in college, we let Sage run a marathon and he qualified. Actually, you ran. How many marathons did you run in college? Three before we were done, right, Sage?
2: Uh, no, it was two. I qual- I tried in Houston right after, right before indoor track and I missed by 22 seconds. The standard was 222 back then. So I ran 222, 22 at Houston in my debut then I did track season. Uh, I think I got fifth at Heps in the 10K that year. We ran a tactical race. I think Zach Hine got second. Uh, it was like a 30-40 10K. And then f- five weeks after that, I ran the Grandma's Marathon, ran 2:21.43 and qualified. Then uh, the deal was that fall, I wouldn't run in the Olympic trials because I was doing cross-country that year. So I, I did the first 10K at the Olympic trials in New York City, 2007. And then it was in between Heps and regionals. So I was running for the team cross country. So I only did two marathons in college as an undergrad. Well, then I did, th- then I did the New York the year after actually. The year in after. See, so yeah. Sage
1: forgot. He had a red shirt. I there, forgot. Which,
2: it was such a bad marathon. I forgot.
1: <laughs> but anyways, since uh, graduating, Sage joined the Hanson Brooks program. He's written a book about that experience. And then after he made another Olympic trials in the marathon, which would have been 2012. And then really since then, he's been in the trail ultra scene. And Sage, I mean, I'm really impressed. I found your Wikipedia page. Again, it says that you've won the USATF 100K Trail Championships, the Speed Goat 50K, Lake Sonoma 50 miler, all course records in all three of those races, Cayuga Trails 50 miler in Ithaca, the Tarawera Ultra Marathon in New Zealand, the Pikes Peak Ascent, the North Face Endurance Challenge. I mean, it seems like you've done it all. Like,
2: for the record i did not write that wikipedia page either i know people have accused me i have not touched that wikipedia page i know who started it but uh i did not write it it wasn't my idea
1: well folks uh, he is the son of clifton and pamela ando Kennedy sage did they write it for you or
2: no my parents did not write it either it was uh, it's it was actually an ivy league st- uh student athlete who wrote it not it didn't go to cornell i,
1: I loved it uh, and um It's great that you have your own Wikipedia page. So, Sage, as well as said, we're going to try to come up with the list of the best ultras. And it might be actually easier for us to do it because, like, if you asked me to do the best marathons in the world, that would be – it would be hard for me to do a list 1 through 10. I might not want to do that because you're going to anger some marathons. But, you know, if if I don't have a connection to the sport like I do the marathoning, it might be easier to anger some people a little bit. But is there – I I guess the way I want to start, and and Weldon, if you don't like this idea, I I guess let's start at the top. I mean, when when we came up with those lists, we're going to rank them. Honestly, the thing that popped in my head was, okay, comrades, or is it comrades? Which is the proper pronunciation? Uh, Comrades. Okay, good. So comrades in Western states are what popped into my mind as the two most prestigious, and mainly because those are the two that I had heard of before I started Let's Run. I remember Alberto Salazar winning comrades when I was in high school, I think. And then everyone's heard of Western States. But is there a race that sort of jumps out as a numero uno? Like if you were talking about marathons, I would definitely say for, you know, what's the most prestigious race to win, obviously with the Olympics, but, you know, ignoring that the London marathon, I think any true marathon fan would say London is the hardest for a pro to win um, and most prestigious to win. Is there a race that jumps out you, like when we tell you we're going to be ranking these races, yes, something needs to be put up at number one. Everybody would agree with that.
2: It would be comrades. Not everyone would agree with that, but it's, it's by far the most competitive. It's got the longest history and it's got the biggest field size by far over 24,000 runners this year, 94 year history, most prize money purse. Um, I, I I'd say it's hands above the rest in competition. And, uh, but a lot of people from North America haven't heard about it. So there's that.
0: You just said that cause you're running it this year, right?
2: No, I'd say that anyway. <laughs> I, I have run it before too, and I am running it this year, but uh I think if you just go by the quantitative data, just those facts that there's twenty-four thousand runners doing it, whereas Western states there's less than four hundred runners. Plus Western states is hard to get into. Comrades, if you're good, you could get in. Uh, you know, same thing with like UTMB. If you're good, you could get in. Uh Western states is a little harder to get into. Other races are really hard to get into. So and the the limit the field size. If there's only a couple hundred guys in the race, how competitive can it be? versus 24,000 guys with a prize money purse of $38,000 to win.
1: Well, but I mean, look at Boston this year, the elite field. I mean, they limited, there's 20, 30,000 people in the race, but they limit the elites to only 70 people. So if you have all the elites, it doesn't matter if you have 400 or 40,000 behind them, right? I mean, but you're saying some of these races, well, they limit like the top person in the world could say, I want to run Western States and they might say No.
2: The top person in the world would have to qualify for Western States, and uh, there's a couple ways to do that. You either have to run a special golden ticket race, which there's only four in the spring, and they're all in the U.S., and you have to finish top two in that race to get a golden ticket to qualify for Western States. Or you get selected in a sort of uh, biased way by the Ultra Trail World Tour Committee to maybe get a spot at Western States. Otherwise, if you're fast and you want to run Western States, you can't run Western States. You won't get in. You could wait on the lottery, but that might take five years.
0: Interesting. There's an ultra tour tour. Uh, there's a
2: lot of series, but so there's a lot of series. There's a, uh, yeah, there's the ultra trail world tour, which is international races. There's uh the golden ticket series, which is just the U S races that you could use to qualify for Western States. Um, and there's other s- series like sky running and uh, golden trail. Um, we could get into that in a bit, but cause I know one of the things is, ranking maybe like the grand slam, uh, of ultra running too. That's another series.
0: You have a grand slam of races or there's a series of races called the grand slam?
2: There is a, there is a name called the grand slam. And I think it's starting to not be as popular. They were a series of hundred mile races all in the U S uh, like Leadville, Western States, Vermont, um, Wasatch 100, and you do 4 of these races all in the same summer. So you do 400 miles all in the summer. They call that the Grand Slam of ultra running. Of course it's it's kind of it helps you get into Leadville maybe if you say oh I'm doing the Grand Slam, I'm doing this whole series. But it's not as popular now and not very many people really do it. It is impressive though. You do 400s in in a summer. It's really demanding on your body. It's probably a bad idea.
0: I think this just sort of shows the difference in the ultra world. There's just such variety of I mean, I guess in, in the marathoning world, there's races all over the world, but here you have different distances, you know, how you qualify for the races is different. Whereas, you know, most top marathons, if you're fast and you try to get in the race to let you in, or it's pretty clear cut. And then also on top of it, it's very well established what people want to win, right? The Olympics is number one. There's no question. Everybody wants to win the Olympics. And then after that on track or something, it's world championships. Marathons a little bit different The world championships probably isn't as prestigious, but it's you know the world marathon majors, and then you sort of go from there. But it's in marathoning; it's all established. Twenty six point two. We run over the roads. You know, you know some courses are difficult, more difficult than others. But it's it's not like a factor of, you know, the distance doesn't vary by a factor of five or ten. There aren't races. I mean, if you want to get into these some of these really obscure stuff, racing across America, racing around. You know the thing where they race around the block, and I think it's in Queens? Oh, yeah, for- Trend
2: and trend Sentence Run. Yeah, you do like a month of running around a block. I think you need to win that one, stage. Oh, I don't know. That's too that's too far for me. I have too much of a time commitment. The F- Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, Long Trail Records, those may be in the future, but not for a long time.
0: Yeah, and then you've got stuff like – I feel like Barclays gets a ton of press now because – I don't know, like – let's talk about Barkley's real quickly. Is that more of a gimmick obscure thing you can't get in? It's just sort of kind of cool or is it too obscure? Like, I don't know, like only how many guys get in that race anyway, 20 or something. Uh, I think
2: maybe it's more than 20. It's less than a hundred. It's very obscure. I call it a scavenger hunt in the woods, uh, because it's this, this impossible loop. You're not even running most of the time. It's off trail. You're route finding, you have to find these pages of a book that are hidden in the woods. You're in in Tennessee in the in the brambles. There's all these brambles. It gets muddy. It's rainy. It's cold. A lot of people are are hiking. It's it's a scavenger hunt, uh, basically. It's very hard because you have to cover 100 miles off trail, but and the weather's very bad and you have time limits, so people don't finish. But that's the whole draw of the event is that it's this race that's. Become impossible to finish, but they really do limit the field size. I know some very good runners uh, that would have had a chance maybe to finish that got rejected because the application process is is very uh, secretive. Uh, I don't even know how to get in. It's kind of like one of those secret society clubs that if you know certain people, maybe you could get in. Uh, and it's been, I think, it's been blown out of proportion by the media, by people on YouTube. Uh, people like to write articles about it because it's so extreme, but it's not really a competitive race and. You know, if you want something hard or difficult, you could say any race is hard or difficult. Running a low two-hour marathon is very hard and difficult. Running a ten k on the track fast is hard and difficult. It's not that it's harder per se because it's a extreme course. It's just it's a, it's a there's a lot of variables at play. Um, but I think it's it's been totally blown out of proportion.
1: So I guess I, one of the things I want to do in this before this five weeks are over is try to come up with like. The equivalent of the Triple Crown, or maybe uh, quadruple crown of running—you know—something that, like, if you won all these races, you know, kind of like the Grand Slam in tennis or the Triple Crown in horse racing. If you won all these races, it w- it would be sort of the pinnacle of one's career, particularly if you could do it in one year. Um, so it s- sounds like Barclays shouldn't be on there because I was thinking that's not knowing much about it. I'm like, oh yeah, Barclays, dude, that thing is so cool. Um, But uh, s- states, let me take like a. Uh, uh uh step back just and take a broader view in the sense of I mean we gave you like you know like a 10 minute overview yesterday of what we were gonna do and we briefly talked about things. You sent me an email and you know I was talking about the triple crown and quadruple crown. One thing I was thinking about is the different surfaces. I mean you really have you have the you have races that are on the road like comrades. You have races that are on the track. I mean they'll do like right like
2: Oh yeah. 400 meters on a track. Yeah. Or one mile loop in a park. Yep.
1: Um, But then you have mountain races and um, you also have like, you know, the trail races. So does any, are there any athletes, like, is there something that you specialize in Sage or uh, are there athletes that could win everything? They could win a mountain race, they could win a trail race, they could win a road race and they could maybe win, um, you know, a, a track race. Like, do you specialize on surface or type of race or how does that work?
2: Well, my hashtag motto has always been any surface, any distance, but of course I've kind of failed at a lot. So I'm kind of just mediocre at all these different things, but you know, I've been lucky to be able to do races like comrades. I've done uh, world mountain running champs. I've done UTMB. I've done Western States. I've done some really technical mountain races in Europe. So I've seen the different surfaces and I'd say right now, no single runner could totally dominate on these surfaces, especially on the guy's side. There's some women that have better versatility, I think. Uh, Part of it's because there's not quite as many women in the sport, but there's some really phenomenal uh, runners that have run pretty fast road marathons that could do really good technical trail running. They usually don't do the 100 milers though. So if you're talking about doing a a 50k versus 100 miles in the mountains, it's different. If you're talking about doing 100k on the roads versus, uh, you know, uh, comrades, sometimes it could be different. But I, it's hard to dominate every surface at these different distances. It would be hard to win Comrades and UTMB. If someone did that, that would be very impressive. In the history, there has been people that have run really well at Comrades and then won Western States. Uh, a woman from the U.S., Ann Trayson, did both within two or three weeks of each other. She won Comrades and then won Western States a couple weeks later, which is one of the most impressive doubles probably in ultra running history. Uh, but Comrades in Western States are more runnable and fast paced races, especially comrades on a downhill year because Western States is a net downhill race. So, uh, but to win comrades and then UTMB, that's something really mountainous would be really hard. And if, you know, Killian Jornet, the best mountain runner in the world tries to run a road marathon, he's never going to do it. Uh, but if he did, I, I don't know how fast he could run. I don't think he could compete at comrades. Uh, he just, he says he doesn't even like running on the pavement for more than six or 10 miles at a time.
1: So, UTMB, how far of a race is that?
2: It's just over 100 miles. It's 105 miles, 106 miles, depending on the course, uh, and 33,000 feet of climbing. You start at night or you start in the evening. So, you have to run all night. So, you're running up and down these big mountains through Italy, through Switzerland, running all night. Uh, you get extreme temperature changes. You get the night running. You get snow and rain. You get Sometimes muddy trails, but it is—it's not a technical race. They're—they're they're pretty smooth trails. There's a lot of double track, but they're so steep that you have to power hike a lot. You're walking. You're using trekking poles. Eighty percent of the field probably uses trekking poles. You have to carry a five-pound pack with required gear. Uh, well, most people's pack weighs about five pounds because you have to carry a rain jacket, rain pants. You have to carry your phone. You have to carry all your phone. You have to carry a phone. Oh yeah, that's required in a lot of European mountain races.
1: This is this, uh, just, I'm blown away. I'm trying to get away from my phone. And now they're telling me if I join a mountain race, I got, is it a satellite phone? Like, do you get reception at the top of the Swiss Alps there?
2: It's a, it's a safety thing, they think. For selfies, right? Uh, well, there, you could do that too. I'm i am not stopping and taking a selfie but uh, during a race, but, uh, you know, they have a tracker on it.
1: Wait, Sage, can we put like a GoPro in your head and, and live <laughs> streaming as you race your next?
2: Too heavy. It's too heavy. <laughs> I carry a GoPro in some races, maybe, but I not if I'm serious. Uh, it's still too heavy. You need you'd rather carry five extra gels because that's going to help you more.
0: So, how is a phone a safety device if there's no reception?
2: Well, for example, I well that's the problem is there's no reception sometimes, but uh, they say there there is spotty reception. It's not too isolated. So, the first year I did UTMB, I fell and I had to get stitches and I cut my knee open on a rock. And so I, I did pull out my phone uh, and tried to make a call so my parents knew not to drive to the next aid aid station in Switzerland. Uh, but I was able to contact I think the race director and they they actually flew me out off the mountain with a helicopter.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, Sage, isn't this the race you were helicoptered out? No, is that do they make yeah. you pay for that? Is it kind of embarrassing or is it like a badge of honor to be? airlifted out
2: it was it was more embarrassing but uh it was a cool helicopter ride and it was about 200 euros i asked how much it would cost before they they did it i was basically stranded on this mountain my knee was ballooned up swollen it was extremely painful i was worried about injuring myself permanently so i said you know what i have to stop i can't really walk downhill anymore can you give me a ride downhill and they're like there's no cars there's no roads up here there's no way off the mountain. You either roll down or you get a helicopter. And I was like, how much would a helicopter cost? And they're like, oh, 200 euros. And I was like, okay, bring in the helicopter. I'd been up all night. I was sleep deprived. I was in a lot of pain. I was 60 miles into the race. Uh, So got the helicopter ride, didn't finish the race. It was embarrassing. I got stitches. It was, it was a bad fall.
1: So have you been, this is UTMB. Have you been back? Is this
2: yeah I went back uh, a couple years later and I had a horrible race and I got I finished 50th place I just was out of it from from the start I was walking most of the last forty miles I just I don't know I just didn't have it I wasn't in shape uh, I have no excuses I just I sucked it up I've always sucked it up at hundred mile races
0: okay so let's talk a little bit about the training so wait 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 want, before the training I want to ask big picture racing things like what's the longest race you've done or the longest you've run and also like what would you say your best accomplishment is in ultra running and also marathon regular running or i don't know if it's fair to call it regular running
2: yeah um so the longest race was that utmb when i I suffered to the finish i didn't really want to finish but i was like i'm gonna finish it's embarrassing i got a couple i think two or three women passed me in the last 20 miles uh I ran 26 hours there, so 26 hours, 105 miles. That's the longest I've ever been out there on the course. It was a lot of walking, though. Uh, It was embarrassing. And uh, proudest accomplishment, though, in ultra running was probably winning the North Face 50-mile endurance challenge in San Francisco. Uh, It's the biggest prize purse up until that point. It was the biggest prize purse you could win in a trail ultra in the U.S., $10,000. It's usually one of the most competitive 50-mile trail races that there is in the whole world. Uh, so I won that in 2014 and then regular running road marathon running, really proud of, uh, qualifying for Olympic trials under Rojo's coaching running two twenty one forty-three uh, when I was 21 years old and then also getting 16th place at Boston, the Boston marathon in 2015. Pretty proud of that. I missed the Olympic trials standard by 12 seconds, but there was a little bit of a headwind that day.
0: Damn headwind. The North face 50. Is that a race that's every year?
2: Well, it, it was actually canceled last year because of the, the smoke from the wildfires. But yeah, traditionally, it's been every year. Uh, in December, they moved it to November some years, but it's it's sponsored by North Face. It's in Marin Headlands, right across from the Golden Gate Bridge. They've changed the course over the years, too, but it's usually about 50 miles with 10,000 feet of climbing, smooth dirt, single track trails, $10,000 to first place. Uh, it's usually a loaded field. You get some international guys You get a lot of top Americans. They've been advertising it for years. When I was running at Hanson's Brooks back in 2011, 2010, I saw ads for it. And I said, you know what, guys? I want to do this race. It's $10,000 to win 50 miles. I could do it. Uh, So it took me a couple of tries, though, to to win it.
1: Again, big picture here. Most marathoners do two marathons a year. I think some of the Africans do three. For these trail ultras, is it similar? You're gonna you're gonna pick about two big races a year, three, or how, how many? Like, like what's your schedule like for this year? Or la- what'd you do last year? What's your schedule like for this year? Explain how the average person would do that.
2: Uh, well, I'm probably not a good example. Uh, it depends on the runner and it depends on the race. So uh, usually, if you're a pro sponsored runner and you want to do really well in a couple hundreds, maybe you do one. You focus on one or two. 100 milers for the year, and you focus on the big ones. So if you're an American guy, you want to focus on the big ones, you're going to do Western states, then maybe you're going to do UTMB. Maybe you do another 100 like Run Rabbit Run, which is $12,000 to win. So you know, that's lucrative. Uh, So you're focusing on maybe a couple hundreds, but you want to build up to those hundreds. So maybe you do uh, a couple hundred Ks, or you do a 50 mile race early on in the season. So maybe you've got a 50 mile 100k, a couple hundreds. So then you're up to four races then maybe at the end of the year, you want to do North face 50. So you do another 50 miler. So that's five races. So you could easily be doing five or six ultras in a year spread out. Uh, maybe you jump in some, some shorter races too, but most ultra runners, I mean, some are serial racers and they do races every couple weeks. You could do an ultra. I've done some of my seasons. I did an ultra almost every month. I did an ultra 10 months out of the year, one, one race a month but it's not sustainable. I think it's a bad idea. And it started making my performances really inconsistent. So, uh, like this year, I'm the main focus is comrades. Uh, and I, I'm actually going to do more 42 K trail races in Europe, uh, instead of that many ultras I'm actually, just, comrades might be, uh, I get, I did Moab red hot 55 K a month ago, but I might only do two or three ultras this year. And then a lot of 42 K trail races like last year, I did eight marathons, some trail, some road.
1: So let's, let's talk a little about comrades. It's obviously the the 89 years, right? You said it's about, about a 55 mile race on the roads of South Africa. Famous people like Alberto Salazar have won it. Um, I think you were 15th the year you did it. Is that right?
2: I take out the, the two guys tripped a drug test on the day though two guys who finished ahead of me that year in 2015 tested positive for PEDs. So I like to tell people I I got 13th really, but yeah, I was the 15th guy across the line.
1: Well, so yeah, 13th is good, but let's, is this, I don't know. Is this something that you dream of winning and have a realistic shot of winning? Or is it kind of like you running the Boston marathon where, you know, a top 10 would be a a really a career accomplishment type thing. and, And top 15 is more, more reasonable, you know, like, you're a what, a two sixteen marathoner? What type of person normally wins that race? And what are your what are your goals and and hopes or dreams?
2: Well, it's not like a marathon major. It's not as competitive. So I could definitely get top 10 at Comrades, whereas I'm probably never would get top 10 at Boston. Uh maybe last year if I ran smart and didn't get hypothermia, I could have got top ten at Boston, but it's way harder to get top ten at a marathon major. most runners than it would be to get top 10 at boston especially if you're a 215 or 220 type of marathon guy um so you know i dream of winning comrades it's it's definitely would be really really hard but I, i don't think it's impossible uh this goal i'd be thrilled if i got top five uh i ran a pretty bad race in 2015 when i got 13th so i think i could improve quite a bit on that but the type of runner that wins it, I mean, you do get these 212 marathon guys. You get some 208 guys. Sometimes the 215 guy wins, comrades, So because it's it's 6,000 feet of climbing on an uphill year, it's hot. You got to fuel. It's 55 miles. You know, it's it's almost a six-hour race. If you run under 540, you're probably in contention for a, a top three or the win. But it's, you know, it's a long race.
1: <laughs> and and, and are you, is it an uphill year this year or down?
2: It's an uphill year. So yeah, they switch directions.
1: So do you, it seems like you've done well in the up races. Is that what you prefer?
2: Definitely. I'd never do a downhill race. I, I suck at downhill running. Uh, it's still a lot of downhill though, because it it undulates a lot. So it's 6,000 feet of climbing and 4,000 feet of downhill. It's all on pavement. It's rolling hills. The first, uh, when I ran it, Max King was doing it.
1: Another Cornell alum, folks. If you're looking at Ivy League. Yeah.
2: He had a, he had a really rough day that year. Uh, he liked He did much better at the downhill year. He got top 10. The next year, on a downhill year, I think he was eighth at Comrades. Uh, the year after, but we came through the first marathon split, <clears throat> I think, in about two thirty-eight, and it was uh, after like three thousand feet of climbing. So you're running low six-minute mile pace. Uh, if you want to win, you have to run low six-minute mile pace. The course record's under six-minute mile pace, but it was by that guy who, uh, the the Russian doctor who uh, was probably was well. He, I don't. He was. Eddie H told it, told people that he used to sell him EPO in Albuquerque. I'll just leave it at that. It's an impossible record, but yeah, comrades, you know, I I think a 217 guy could still win it. Uh, It's not, it's, you know, Bruce Fordyce won a record number of times and I don't think his marathon PR was any faster than 217. Sometimes 220 guys win it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know last week was the Two Oceans Race, which used to be sort of viewed as the prep race for comrades, but now it's gotten such a beautiful course. I've heard that a lot of people sort of treat that as its own race in its own. But um there, a bunch of Kenyans showed up. They said they were going to beat the course record. Blah blah blah. And of course, they didn't even, you know, I think two of the three dropped out. So it, it is a different game. That was one of the things I was going to ask. So it seems to me like there's. You know, there's obviously no like if La Kipchoge is in a men's marathon, your people are pretty confident he's going to win it. It seems to me that in the ultra scene, there's a, and this is what I, I think is why it could be more. It's it's popular to some degree. I always say like in, in regular running, there's no interceptions, there's no fumbles, there's nothing that adds randomness to the results, so the results are pretty predictable. Like we we can say in a marathon, these are the six women that are likely to win, and we did this at a recent race, and they and they took five of the top six places or something like that. So am I wrong in saying that there's more unpredictability in the scene, And is that because the distance is so long, you never know when someone's going to hit the wall or you never know how someone's going to do on this particular course that they haven't done before, you know, with 4,000 feet of climbing, or is it mainly because it's just not quite as deep? There aren't as many, much prize money. So you don't have, you know, London will have really like 10 really super good marathoners, whereas the trail races might only have five super good runners And then if, you know, three or four of them are off their day, then it kind of opens it up to anyone kind of like Boston last year in the marathon. Like, or is it a combination of those two factors? How would you describe like, am I right in saying that it's more unpredictable than a a regular race? And why is that?
2: Yeah, you're right. And it's a combination of those factors I'd say. I mean, if you just look at the sheer duration of the race, because it's, it's longer because it's, it's maybe hilly, uh, you're out there running for six hours, eight hours, 20 hours. So the, the more time, you're spending on your feet the more time things could go wrong the more time you have to get a really bad stomach ache or bonk the more time you have to get hypothermia or overheat uh so it's just the sheer duration makes it more unpredictable then at the same time you have uh it's not the competitive depth is not there uh, and you've got people that do totally different training that you, you don't know how they're going to do you don't know how they're going to react tactics play a big role because as you know in the last 10k of a marathon if you start bonking you start slowing down a lot well, things go exponential in the ultras. If you're bonking and you have 30 miles to go, it could turn into a really bad day. Uh, so, you know, people s- start running, you're running seven minute mile pace, one mile, and the next mile you're walking and you're doing 20 minute mile splits. So like things could change really fast and things go really, really bad. Uh, so it's, it's just a matter of the, the duration, though, mainly it's just all the time that you're spending out there it makes it more unpredictable.
0: Even this year, like at the Boston Marathon, right? The woman's winner, the she had a big lead. She's winning by almost three minutes at some point. You're still kind of, we're kind of wondering, oh, Boston Hills, she could get caught. And if the race had been 27 miles, 28 miles, she might've been caught. But if imagine if the race was 50 miles. I mean, yeah, like the thing wouldn't even have started. So much can go wrong. So I think it does. I think the unpredictability is going to be good for the ultras in terms of people who follow them as a sport because, I don't know. People like their stars. They like their Tiger Woods, but you know the best golfer in the world still wins less than 50% of the time.
1: Okay, Sage, here's a hypothetical for you. So Elliot Kipchoge is obviously the greatest marathoner in history. 201.39. I mean, that seems like a misprint. He's in supreme shape. He's got London on Sunday. If I flew over to London, well, Jonathan Galt's on a plane right now, about to land in London. If I had loaded Jonathan's bag up with a million dollars of cash and had him go to Elliot's, hotel room and said elliot you're not going to be running london on sunday here's a million dollars we're going to have you run the comrades marathon in what three or four weeks could he win it would he win it or does he not have does he would he need to do specific training Like, like could he just train for the marathon and win that thing or do you think he would blow up like to me that would be fascinating to see
2: First of all, he's, I think he's got six weeks to train from London. No, I don't, I don't want
1: him training though. So I want him. Let's say comrades was this weekend. Let's start with that question. Comrades is on Sunday, and instead of going to London, we say hey, we're going to put you on a plane tonight, and you're going to South Africa.
2: I think, I think he could win. Uh, I don't think it would be a guarantee he'd win, but I think he could definitely win because he's head and shoulders above the rest of us in terms of marathon PR. Like I don't know, I haven't looked at the full comrades field, but I don't think there's a guy faster who's run faster than two oh eight. So I'm a 201 guy versus two eight guys, but then I don't know what's his longest long run been. Has he done a 50 K long run? Cause, uh, you do feel a bit, a little bit different after you get a couple long runs in over 42 K, uh, he could surely win it though. On pure talent alone and pure marathon training
0: alone. Yes. But well, Sage, I'm surprised. I would say 55 miles uphill. Well, there's 4,000 feet of downhill too. Yeah. But uh, even worse, I think he doesn't win. He's never, he's only run Chicago. He's never even run like, well, hell, he's never run Chicago, but I mean, he's never even done Boston or New York. He's only done flat marathons. Yeah,
2: but he trains on some hills and, uh, you know, his training grounds. He's got some rolling hills and Sage, you
0: need to defend the ultra people more. I- I, I'm with Weldon. become the old Robert and I are going to become like the gods of the ultra marathon world because Sage, you're supposed to say you guys are the best real runners suck. Oops. I just called them real runners. <laughs> Traditional marathoners suck and you guys are tougher, but uh, it's t- more than twice the distance, Sage. I'm kind of shocked you said that.
2: Well, it's a road race. It's not like UTMB or something, so.
0: There's a big, okay, it's going from, is going. F- well, well, I think exactly the same. Go ahead, Well. I know
1: what you're going to ask. This is a question I had, I had pre-prepared for myself, and it just came to my head.
0: Wow. So it's like comrades. you know, it's 50, what, 55 miles? About, yeah. Is that to the marathon like a marathon is to half marathon or is it even more? I mean, you could argue it could be four times harder. I mean, like, how does that work? No. They say the marathon doesn't start till 20 miles. So if you go from 26 miles to 35 miles, you know, is it exponential or is it you make it sound like, oh, 26 miles to 55 miles. It's more than double the distance. To me, that could be you you might need five times more training. But you're saying, oh, I think he maybe could win it just doing marathon training because he's so damn good. I think it's, I think it's
2: more in common with the marathon, actually. Uh, It's like, you know, is the 5k really that much different than the 10k, 10k is twice as long. Uh, The energy systems you're using are very similar. And so it's more the hills that would make me, that makes it unpredictable. If it was a flat 55 miles, or if it was like the IAU or IAAF world 100k championships on the road, they usually run a flat road course for 62 miles. Uh, then it correlates even better to your marathon time. So I, I would be more confident if he was running 100K flat on the roads. But you know the Comrades Hills are are very runnable. You're still running low six-minute mile pace uphill. He's He would be going so – it would be such an easy pace for him. Like I mentioned, we had a pack of 30 guys running through the first marathon. We split 238 with a lot of climbing, but that's a jog for this guy. He's He would be running so submaximally that – I'd imagine if, as long as he didn't screw up his hydration and fueling, that he would he wouldn't even have as much fatigue as a, a two fifteen marathoner or a two twenty guy.
1: But Walden asked us between a marathon and fifty five miles. I always want to know. A lot of these races are fifty miles, but when you go from fifty miles to a hundred miles, like what the hell is that like? And mentally, is it like, or do you just break it up like any run? When I used to run like twelve miles. My grandmother, when she was like 90s, I can't imagine waking up every morning thinking I had to run 12 miles. I'm like, well, first of all, running's fun for me. Secondly, like I don't think of it that way. I just get to like, if, if I'm tired, when I was out in Flagstaff and training, like we would just go out, and once you get six miles, you're basically done because you're halfway there, and you got to go back, otherwise you're not going to finish. So, a hundred, what's a hundred miler like compared to a 50 miler? And, or do you you just break it up in your head and you think, oh, in a marathon, oh, I'm a quarter way done. Is that the same thing as like one mile of a four mile race? Or is it like hell in your brain?
2: A hundred milers is a a totally different beast. And I could say that because I failed epically at the few hundreds that I've tried. Uh, But it it depends if it's on a track or road versus if it's in the mountains, hundred miles at UTMB might take 20 hours. If we run a hundred miles around a track, maybe it could do 11 hours. So that's a totally different race, even though it's both a hundred miles. Uh, so I think part of it's just thinking of the duration, but yeah, you break it down, you take it, you know, 10 miles at a time, five miles at a time, one aid station at a time. And, uh, you try not to think about how many miles you have to go, but the hundred milers seem to be a totally different beast, 50 miles, hundred K. They usually correlate really well to what it's like training for a marathon, especially if it's a runnable course, but I'd say the biggest difference besides just the sheer time is the terrain that you're running on. So, you know, UTMB, mountainous, 100 miler is a lot different than uh, a 50K on the roads. Whereas if you're running 100 miles on a track like Camille Heron does, it correlates a lot more to a Comrades or a a road ultra, 50K ultra marathon.
1: So let's talk a little about Camille. She's let's run visitor. She's won Comrades, right? She's won these track races, but does she also do well in the the trails scene or?
2: Ah, uh, she has not done as well historically on the trail scene. She did win the Tarawera 100k or 100 mile in New Zealand, which is not really a, a super technical race, and it, it actually wasn't super deep this year. She's an amazing runner, though. She won Comrades. She set the the record for 100 miles on a track, 12 hour record, uh, and ran a pretty fast track time for 100 miles. But it, like I said, it, I think it correlates really well with your marathon just like Comrades correlates really well with a marathon. Now you throw her in a, a mountain race in Europe, a really technical race, and I would guess she hasn't done it yet, but I would guess she doesn't wouldn't do as well. Even a race like Lake Sonoma 50 miles that has 10,000 feet of climbing, she hasn't done as well in. Uh, Western States, she didn't finish last year or two years ago. Uh, so the trail races have been a lot harder, and that's why I've always said it's hard to dominate any surface, any distance. You don't get guys winning UTMB and then winning Comrades. Uh, it just doesn't happen very often.
1: Now you see a lot of like some decent marathoners try to show up at comrades or two oceans to try to win that. Is that because those races have more money or is there nice bonuses with your shoe contract? Cause these races are on TV generally in South Africa, or how do you make a living sage? Like, I mean, I know Hoko One One, I know they sponsor you and that's one actually, I, I would have honestly asked you anyways, cause your friend, you and I are friends they must sponsor you, but do you prize money? Is that a big part of your income? Or do you make money from your YouTube channel? Like how did most, I guess you might not be the average person, but maybe take me through like how the average ultra person makes it and how you make it.
2: Yeah. So it's, uh, cobbling together different streams of income. Like you said, the YouTube channel, that's been uh, pretty big with me. I consider that outside business income though. That's not, it's related to running, but it's, uh, not how I make money directly with my legs. Whereas with sponsors, you get, you know, maybe a salary contract, stipend contract, you get uh, travel support, you start doing well in races, you get invited to fly to races, you get free lodging hotel. So the travel's taken care of, then you start getting, maybe you have some incentive bonuses. So, uh, s- uh you know, historically, uh, sometimes you have, you know, several, Thousand dollars thrown in for making the podium or doing well in a race, and then some races don't have any prize money, but the bonus is worth a lot more anyway. So you're going to make a a lot more money even in a no no prize money race, like Western States has zero prize money, right? But if you win it, it's it's worth a lot. Uh, It could be a life changing career if you win Western States with a sponsorship contract, especially if you're a guy. Um, Whereas Comrades has big prize money, thirty eight thousand. That's the biggest, Uh, but it's not it's not a ton. You're making more through your salary.
1: So maybe we should let the, the shoe companies decide for us what's important. What we, we, it sounds like we kicked off the show saying comrades, Western States, UTMB are, are three, three races that have to be in our, our list of the best, you know, trails and ultras and whatever. What other type of races would be in a standard shoe contract? I think that would be one thing that we could start to look at to help us come up with this. Depends, it
2: depends on the company and what they value. So some companies, some brands value, trail mountain running more, uh, like a competitor, I'd say Solomon, you know, they sponsor Killian. they sponsor this golden trail series, which I'm doing this year. They're all 42 K races. They're not even ultras, but they're famous mountain races in Europe mostly. And there's a lot of financial incentive to do that. Even if you finish top 10 in the series, you get 5,000 Euro, you get a lot of international travel covered. Uh, so they value these mountain races more. They don't even care if it's an ultra or if it's 42 K, whereas other companies, uh, you know, they value the competitiveness. So, you know, what's the most competitive ultra? Well, it's comrades. What's the next one? I say it's two oceans. What's the next one? I say it's IAU 100K world championships. Then you're looking at UTMB. Then you're looking at maybe North Face, 50 mile. Then you're looking at Western States. Uh, so that's like some of the order, but it it depends on the shoe company and what they value, maybe what races they sponsor. It's going to be different. Uh, they might value if you set some, some record running across the U S more, I don't know. Do you have an agent, Sage? No, I've represented myself.
1: Wow, you, you've gone into the into the rooms with the shoe companies. I've always wondered. <laughs> that's like good for you. Is there a set of like, one other thing I was thinking of, other lists, you know, like maybe we could have a, a list of, you know, the, the 10, a bucket list, you know, for the average amateur runner, what they should run. You know, I mean, I think, you know, like the World Marathon majors, I know Dubai isn't one, but we sort of put them in that category, but I don't think most people want to go run Dubai because it's, it's not that of a course so we could come up with like the you know 10 bucket list items to run but one thing i was thinking of was like are there some world records that people are just really respect in, in, in and of like a 24-hour run or 100-mile record or run across america record like is there anything that again just really jumps out at you is like yes that's the most that is sort of the secretariat of world records or something like that
2: well trail running it's hard to establish records because you got courses that change and then you have different weather conditions depending on the year whereas with the the road and track ultra records uh that are really held with high esteem i'd say the one that pops out would be uh this greek runner koros ran the 24 hour record uh and no one's touched that and so his records are always this this thing who how far can you run in 24 hours I, i don't even know exactly what it is it's like 170 miles i think 169 miles I could be wrong on that it's really good it's really good I believe his marathon PR was only 223 though uh so that's a really good record another really good record I'd say is uh the 100k open road world record 609 for 100k by the Japanese runner uh Kazami he ran he's a 217 marathoner only but he ran 609 for 100 miles or 100k on the roads that's a pretty good record um then of course the comrades' uphill course record, which I think is untouchable. But it, again, it was by that uh, he was a two ten marathoner, I believe. Uh, the Russian doctor,
0: when it shuts off. and you know Eddie Hellbook Eddie Hellbook said he doped, and a bunch of other people came out and said he doped. So I mean that's on the record, but never been proven. Yes, is he the up and down record at Comrades?
2: No, the the, the down record was was broken recently, I believe. Yeah. But they've they've changed the course slightly. So it's hard to equate. But that uphill record, I think it's was it like five twenty four? It's ridiculous.
1: Says so you're an uphill runner, but let's say you went, uh, your dreams come true, your dreams become reality. In two months, you're the 2019 comrades champion. You're telling me you're not going to go back and defend your title next year? You'll say, hey guys, I'll, I'll be back in two years.
2: Yeah, I I I don't I don't have that confidence in my downhill running ability. It's it's a totally different race when they reverse direction.
1: But some people have won both directions. That's why, Sage, what do you think about my idea here for like the New York City Marathon? You know, most of the years it's not rabbited. I think maybe they should go every other year. One year it's rabbited, one year it's not. Then it would be like an ultimate badge for a runner, like Kipchoge. I mean, I I was joking with Weldon. I said, look, I know Elliot Kipchoge is amazing, but we know he's the best at winning rabbited flat races. That's what he does time and time again. Now, he did win the Olympic Marathon in somewhat warm conditions, but we've never seen them early in a hilly marathon or, you know, so I like the variety of things. Like, do you think that would be cool to kind of spice these marathons up a little bit with rabbits some years and.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It changes the dynamic. Um, But whether it changes you mentally or or physically or how you train, I mean, could just depend on the weather on the day. I mean, you know how like weather is always a big factor uh, when you're trying to time trial or you're trying to be competitive and, it could, it could mess you up, but yeah, it's, it's, it keeps the, it keeps things spicy with the competition for sure.
0: I'm fascinated Sage, by some of this prize money stuff, you know, as you were talking, you mentioned run rabbit run. I'd never heard of it. It's up to 15,000 in prize money this year. And so I'm kind of curious, like how does that race have so much prize money? I mean, I get it how comrades does. It's got 20, you know, tens of thousands of people and it's like a marathon. A lot of people they put in money, it's on TV and South Africa, that sort of stuff. But this run rabbit run thing, so they've got a decent amount of prize money. It's up to 75,000 total, 15,000 for the winner, but Western States has none. And I don't know, like back in the day, you know, Boston Marathon's like, we don't have prize money. And then all the other races started having prize money and Boston had to go along with the game. So do you think that'll change in ultra running? I'm just kind of curious. Wow, if we sort of start skipping Western States or as long as the shoe companies reward it, will it? be there but i'm I'm curious if you know how like run rabbit run do they have a lot more runners how do they get all this prize money Just sponsors or
2: they don't have a lot of runners i've actually i i started that race and i dropped out uh i didn't finish that race because yeah the prize money is lucrative it's in steamboat springs uh the race director is a really cool guy he donates a lot of the money to charity i believe maybe all of the money from the entry fees go to charity and no it's it's a smaller operation there's only several hundred runners in it uh, but I think he he's a big fan of the sport, the race director, and he fronts the prize money uh, a lot of it, or at least when he started, I think he he might have fronted a lot of it himself because he wanted to draw uh, an elite crowd and he wanted to show that it was a a serious race because uh, it's a relatively new race. I think it's been going on for maybe seven years or eight years. So he has it has uh, gotten some some really good runners there, but it doesn't have the prestige prestige and history of a Western states. And sponsors generally will reward you uh, very well for doing well at Western States. And I think Western States is like the Boston, for, for U.S. ultra running, Western States is like the Boston Marathon. If you want to compare all the marathons in the U.S. to the Boston Marathon, and then all the ultras in the U.S. to Western States, that's how Western States falls into place. It's got the history. It's hard to get into. It's got the lottery. It's a bucket list race for a lot of people. And that draw is what keeps the sponsors interested and it keeps the incentives there to do well or even get top ten there. Uh to say, oh yeah, I was in I was in this race, you know, with all these guys. Uh it that's the pull with, with Western states. But it, you know, it's it's kind of fickle how to get into Western. Whereas if you want to do run, rabbit, run, you could sign up and do it.
1: Interesting. So Sage, you said LA Capitolia would in comrades, but I think in the fall I was on the message board and I said, wouldn't a bunch of 204 guys just crush Jim Walmsley and, and Jim's Walmsley. I forgot what race he was after, but he was like, I think it was on a podcast. Anyway, someone played in my comments and he's like, no, I would love to take LA Kip coaching down into a Canyon and I would destroy him. So what was he talking about? Do you remember? And, and is that the sort of a difference? Is, is he talking about something different than what you were talking about? Or how can you guys have such different opinions on that?
2: Uh, I think, well, first of all, I think if you, uh, I didn't, listen to the full uh podcast recording but i believe he was talking about the grand canyon which he trains in a lot uh being close to flagstaff which is uh quite hilly it's fairly extreme if i don't know if you've ever been down to phantom ranch or down the the trail but you drop like 4000 feet in like 8 miles and then you're climbing back up and if you run across the canyon and back it's like 44 miles with 9000 feet of climbing so it's it's pretty extreme uh, and you definitely your legs feel that altitude difference. Your legs feel it when you run in the mountains. If you're used to running flat and fast all the time, there is some transition. So I think uh, it's hard to say, oh yeah, you know, Kipchoge would definitely win Comrades. I'd say he could win Comrades, but he could not win Comrades. Uh, I wouldn't root against him at Comrades though. But if I said, let's put him in UTMB or let's put him in a mountain race against Killian, then his odds start going down. But then it's in relation to, does he have any time to prepare? Does he, how, many, how many weeks does he need to do some hill workouts and to run a couple 50K long runs maybe to be able to be the world's best mountain ultra trail runner, right? So I think the whole question is how long does that transition take? Some guys naturally may have it and some guys just don't, right? Some guys are, are really good half marathon runners and they run 61 minute halves, but then they never, they never put together a really fast uh, full marathon. Right? Some guys are just better at the half marathon and 10K than they are at the full marathon. Well, I think some guys are just better at the marathon than they are at 50 miles. Some guys are better uphill runners and mountain runners than they are at downhill runners.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I would have been all right at like a 50 miler, but I would not have been all right on a hilly 50 miler. No way. Oh, God. Anything with the hills, the Johnsons don't want to be going up or down.
2: Yeah. And it's not just the hills. Then there's then there's the technicality. So there's some technical trails. Like Killian does really well in these these sky running races or these golden trail series races that I did last summer, uh, where there's class three scrambling, there's rocks and cliffs. That if you fall, you'll die. Uh, you're using your hands to pull yourself up. It's not even running. You're, you're climbing up a mountain. Uh, someone's off trail. It's sh- knee deep mud. So then you got the technicality component too. You're not even using the same mechanics of running that you're used to running on a road. It messes with your muscles
1: so let's talk a little bit about the training. I mean, I, I know you said when you got airlifted out of that, that one race in Europe, you kind of knew you weren't in good shape going into it. How do you generally train for one of these? I mean, you've got the 55-mile coming up in about, would you say, six weeks? So explain to me how the training's different than marathon training and sort of how much are you running, and, and do you have a good idea of your fitness level as you head into Comrade's or will you know, you know, in, in two or three weeks before the race when you start to taper?
2: It, it's more unpredictable. So, like, even when you toe the line in a marathon, you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to run 217 or 221 maybe, right? Like, it's a, it's a little unpredictable. But, you know, with Comrades, with these runnable ultras, and I say runnable means they don't have an extreme amount of climbing and the trails are pretty smooth. You're running a good clip. You know, Comrades, six-minute mile pace. Other ultras, maybe seven-minute mile pace. You're still running it correlates very well to regular marathon training and regular marathon fitness. It's really just a matter of extension with your long runs. So instead of doing a 20 or 22 mile long run, you start doing 28 mile long runs, maybe you do a 30 mile long run. So, you know, I'm building up to doing a 30 mile type of long run at race pace at low six minute mile pace or faster. And I'm trying to do it with some rolling hills in it, just like comrades. So you, maybe you throw in some more hill repeat workouts. I go up to Magnolia road here above Boulder, run some really, uh, hilly long run routes, but it's, it's general high mileage training, very aerobic training, not as many track intervals. You kind of go out, you don't do any more track intervals. You do hill repeat high intensity hill repeat workouts. You do long tempo runs. I'm gonna do some 12 to 15 mile tempo runs, uh, on rolling Hills. And then it's mainly just a lot of easy pace mileage running. Because you roll out the day, you roll out the door at seven minute mile pace. That could be your race pace for a fifty mile trail race. Uh, So every day you're running race pace, even if you're running seven minute mile pace. So it's a different mindset. My sweet spot's always been around one hundred twenty miles a week. I haven't even been running that much, but I just ran a pretty bad marathon at Rotterdam two weeks ago. I ran two twenty three. So you know, I know my fitness is is pretty poor there relative to what I've run in the marathon before, but. It's more a matter of extension now, and being able to to hold up, uh, come through that first marathon at Comrades and under two forty, and feel comfortable, and and back that up with another sub two forty marathon in the second half, hopefully. So it's a matter of extension, and it correlates very well to marathon training and fitness. I'd say.
1: Tell us about that Rotterdam race. I mean, you, you said it was disappointing, but did you think you were in shape going in there? Or?
2: I thought I could run closer to two twenty, and the dream was trying to qualify for my third Olympic trials and run uh, under two nineteen but it, you know, it's, it's been a struggle for me. I've only run under two nineteen twice in my whole career and I've done 15 marathons. So, uh, you know, I knew realistically it was going to be hard. I still, I went out on pace at the half and I was, I could tell I was working too hard. And so I, I crashed and burned pretty hard the last 10 K, but, uh, it's, you know, I needed a qualifier for comrades and it was, it's part of the buildup for comrades anyway. So, uh, you know, I'd love to qualify for my third Olympic trials, but uh, I'm not sponsored to be a road marathon runner, obviously.
1: Sage, so go to Cal International. Everybody knows it's downhill. That's where you go. Call up John Kellogg. By the, by the way, as we're doing the podcast, I tried to call John Kellogg. That was my Weldon's coach, my right-hand man at Cornell to ask him about you, but I didn't reach him this morning. He just called me as we're doing the podcast.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> You'll
1: we'll have to do a PS where we talk Yeah, that'd be great. But Sage was always very into running. He's got this YouTube channel, VO2Max. He would talk shop with John Kellogg off the side of practice for like, hours on end or 30 minutes on end and just a lots of 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 training talk and it was kind of interesting to me because you know um the long distance guy stage like your first two years where we weren't we had a lot of middle distance talent we weren't doing very well the long distance talent and then all of a sudden actually when you kicked it off there with the ten thousand meter victory i think we won the 10k it happens like what three years in a row maybe um but it, it it was kind of interesting to me because Sage was really a scientist. He always questioned, "Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that?" And then it seemed like your senior year, Sage, you totally bought into everything we said. It was the, it was fascinating to me. Like this is my recollection of like, oh my god, Sage is now like doing everything we say. And my belief was you kind of realized that there was two guys younger than you that were maybe a little bit more talented, and you thought, oh my god. I got to train smarter than them now. You used to question everything. It was the opposite. You're a senior. You. you just bought into everything. Do you, do you remember doing that way, or is that just my recollection?
2: Well, there are definitely two guys that were faster and, and younger than me. Uh, Nate Edelman, who ran like 29.30, he was a sophomore that year, and he's beating me at, at the Bucknell Invite, running 29.30 for 10K. And then, of course, Zach Hine, who ran uh, what do you run like 29.0? Twenty nine ten, twenty nine oh nine 29, oh nine that year. And they were both younger than me. They went one, two at the Heps that year. I finished, I didn't even score at the Heps that year. Uh, no, I think, uh, I was just, uh, caught up maybe in, you know, I ran the New York city, Marathon that fall. I was caught up in road racing. I was already looking beyond college, but, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was tough competing with those guys and they were, I'd say they're, they're flat out more talented than me. Zach is a, a super hard worker. He's still running, uh, at a high level. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I bought in, I guess I, I, I believed in what you guys were doing always. Like I came to Cornell because of what you guys wrote on let's run with your training philosophy. And I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, thank you. Thank you. Sage. This is a aerobic development I want. And he got me to the Olympic trials in the marathon when I was 21 years old. So, you know, I'm thankful thank for you. that. And I got to nationals. That was always a dream is making nationals and cross country. And then winning conference was really ice, icing on the cake. I would have, Rather one cross country uh heps conference, but you know, I, I got second place to Michael Mogg that year. I got out kicked in the last five hundred meters. It was still a good race, you know, twenty-four forty-one at Van Cortland Park.
1: Sage, I want you to change your, your Twitter bio. I was thinking about that as I was getting ready for this. I was kind of trying to, you know, compile all the stats and I obviously remember the Heps 10K win, but you know, you were thirteenth in the state meet in Oregon to get second in Heps Cross Country. I mean, screw the sixteenth in the Boston Marathon. Let's put second in heps cross country. Very, very good accomplishment. So, actually, I think Sage taught me a, a decent amount. I remember one time, I think it was your junior year, maybe in the year you were winning everything, you wanted to do some harder intervals, and it wasn't really what I wanted to do, what we had down for the rest of the team. And I remember talking to John Kellogg, and I'm like, look, and John was very particular. Like He had a workout, he wanted you to do it. If, if it was like run six miles at 3 a.m., he wanted kids to do it at 3 a.m., even though they wouldn't do it at 3 a.m. So, you wanted to do something and I'm like, okay, my job is to sort of get consensus here. So I asked John, I'm like, look, is this going to hurt him to let him do this? He's like, no, you know, it's like, you know, if you're doing a VO two max workout, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, and the way as I've gotten older, the way I would describe it now is like, I used to think there was one way to train. Now I describe it as like, there's several stages, a non eat meter. So I apologize for this analogy, but there's several ways to cook chicken. You can bake it. You can put it in a, in a pan. I mean, you can cook it on the grill. Like. It's basically, as long as you don't screw it up, not going to taste that much differently.
0: You know what I'm saying? There's a bunch of ways to bake a vegetarian casserole,
1: (laughs) Yes. No, Sage was always very – we had an annual barbecue at the house. Actually, maybe twice annual barbecue at the house. Sage was always the nicest guy. I always come by because I always would go out and buy Sage the veggie patties veggie burgers and he's like oh, thanks for getting that for me coach i'm like sage thanks for scoring all the points for me
2: oh i can't take too much credit i mean i think with the differences in training and we could apply this to ultra running is that you got guys with more fast twitch muscle fibers versus slow twitch so you, they respond to different workouts differently and you know that year that junior year i was uh running with a lot with jimmy weiner who was you know was he, he was a really fast miler right he had way more fast twitch muscle fibers I and mean, you coached jimmy to 148 800 as a freshman. This guy was a, you know, 409, 1600 meter runner. And he's still, he, he got second at HEPs the year before to Ben true. Uh, so Jimmy had the range, but he was a totally different runner than I was. I'm all slow twitch. I'm doing marathons. Jimmy Weiner's got the 800 speed, the mile speed, the 1500 speed. Uh, and so we're clashing on these tempo runs. We're clashing. I said, we need to do more mile repeats on the track because I want to run, you know, 445 pace on a track. Whereas like, you know, we need more strength work. We should do three by eight minutes critical velocity on the golf course. And I was like, I already have the strength. I don't need to run on the grass at at five minute mile pace, tempo pace. I need to run get the leg turnover. Whereas Jimmy didn't need that leg turnover. So there was kind of this push and pull, I think, with the different athletes on the team. And if you look at it in ultra running, it's like, okay, does this guy who runs a really fast marathon, how well is he gonna do at this ultra? Does it always correlate directly? And how should he train for that? Well, some guys are better on the Hills and a a lot of it comes about down to genetics. I think genetics and being smart with your training and and fueling.
0: Yeah. Sage earlier, you were talking about talent and I think in running a lot of times we equate talent with speed. Like, Oh, you're a distance runner. The faster guys are more talented, but you know, some of your talent might be the ability to persevere, the ability to run long distance. Who knows? Kipchoge might get out there after three minutes and mentally just like break down and be weak. I mean, think for whatever reason, so much times in running, we acquaint whatever the distance, like the faster guy at the slightly shorter distance is more talent, talented. But I think that's sort of a simplistic way to look at it. And then the other thing is thinking about this is like, should we train towards our strengths or to like cover our weaknesses? And like, obviously if Kipchoge was going to run an ultra or something hilly, he probably should work at his weaknesses, like the things he hasn't done, the hills and that sort of stuff. But I'm not sure for everyone if that's always the case. If you if you should try to, you know, if you're a fast guy, do you need to work your endurance? Probably so. There's probably, I don't know, like if we did Moneyball, to running. Never really thought about it. Like, should you? But obviously, if, if strength is your thing, you can't just do speed work all the time and think you're going to get better. So it's, it's pretty interesting.
1: I want to say it should work more on his strength, even though he was great at it. But, you know, get Salazar and Rupp, I mean, they kind of do a lot of speed work. I'm wondering if if... Jimmy Weiner Sage has is is has a bug in my office because I've literally just received a text. I wrote him and Joe Walsh. who was an Oregon rival of yours, I guess. They were your year at Cornell. And Jimmy just texted, "Ask Sage what he believes is the percentage of fast versus slow twitch muscle body in his body, and how that's affected his training philosophy over time."
2: No way. <laughs> well, I I don't I've never had a muscle biopsy, so I I honestly don't know, but. Given my my open four hundred PRs fifty seven seconds, I'd say I'm I'm pretty pretty slow twitch. I also have a horrible vertical jump, uh, so I'd say I'm at least ninety percent slow twitch, if not 95 percent. And I have a low VO two max too.
1: And folks, if you're a young runner, and Sage Sage has high schoolers following him on YouTube and stuff. If you're a young runner, be be take heart in this. Sage's freshman year at Cornell was really quite bad. I mean, they were joking that on this text message throw that I'm on that you were running seven minute tempos. I don't think it was quite that bad, but what did you run your freshman year?
2: I I was also low on iron and overweight. I was the heaviest I've ever been in my whole life, freshman year. Freshman 20 at Cornell is real. I ran, gosh, I think I ran over 30 minutes at, at Army in that first 8K race. So yeah, the tempos were going over six minute mile pace. Sometimes I'd say 540 to six minute mile pace tempo runs, which is pretty bad. Uh, and I, I think I got down to 2730, 2720 at, at VCP that year. But I was like the 15th guy on the team. I should have been cut. I should have been cut. We did a time trial, 4K time trial. I think I ran I ran 1248 in the 4K time trial on the track to start the season. And guys around me were walk-ons. Walk-ons were beating me.
1: There's a big adjustment probably for your diet. You got to go to the cafeteria. You're vegetarian. Folks, he wasn't like he was a big or The text also says Sage only drank a couple times a year. But he was hysterical when he did. But they said, Sage, you were three beers and you were toast. That's
2: that's not exactly true. I don't know. Very responsible, Sage. After I was 21.
1: <laughs> we have role models here, Clay, <laughs> Sage. We don't want to be talking. Don't be bragging about your exploit. Right? Unless Mickler wants to sponsor Sage. Mickler beer.
0: I already have a beer sponsor. Oh, what is it? Uh, Avery Brewing, Boulder, Colorado. Whoa. All right. We've always wanted a brewery sponsor at Let's Run. If- Official beer of Let's Run. We need Mickler or evil twin out there or, you know, Sage, your sponsor wants to help us out. Yeah. How many sponsors do you have stage? I mean, you got Hoka Onio. Yeah. Hoka, uh, Nathan, uh,
2: the hydration pack, Nathan sports, uh, dry max socks, compressed port calf sleeves, uh, working on a sunglass sponsor still got Avery brewing. My spring energy makes the energy gel. I have a custom gel, the Canterbury. I'm not going to name all the sponsors are more minor ones. Uh, Squirrel, squirrel's Nut Butter, Drymax Socks.
1: Sage, since you're such a good marketing guy, you can be our agent. We should start the Sage Canada Day, Let's Run.com Ultra Classic or Ultra Race. We could become the comrades of the 21st century.
0: Uh, that sounds tough. Yeah, no one's, no one's going for it. We have no tradition. <laughs> no nothing. No. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Apparently, we can talk about ultras forever because we're an, over an hour in and we need to wrap this up. But... I don't know a couple things. So you train about 120 miles a week. Do people really vary or do you think that's the sort of sweet spot? Cause I would say top marathoners probably train in that same general ballpark as well, but there's some thread and let's run about some guy named Mike Shattuck. He's not a famous ultra runner, but he's running 275 miles a week. I mean, are there guys doing crazy stuff? Like, I don't know, Cam Levins in college is running over 150 a week. Uh, just do Are there ultra guys? I mean, I guess it ranges the spectrum, but do you follow other people's training? Would you say the mileage is pretty consistent or there's just tremendous variation? You know, mountain guys like Killian Jornette are doing different stuff than you're doing. How would you sum it up?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, on a personal note, I actually have an average of 120 miles a week. That's been like my high. So I probably should average it, but I've been even lower than that. But yeah, you see a lot of variation depending on what, event they're targeting. So if they're training for a hundred mile mountain race, like UTMB, maybe they're training 20 hours a week and they're doing hundred miles a week, like Tim Tolson, but he's doing 25,000 feet of climbing a week. So it's a 20 hour training week of running, but it's only hundred miles, but it's 25,000 feet of climbing up, up Mammoth mountain, right? Uh, Jim Walmsley maybe he's doing 140 miles a week. He's doing 15 to 20 mile single runs almost every day. Maybe he does a 30 mile long run out on the trails. Uh, that's pretty high mileage. A lot of guys are probably only a hundred miles a week, but they're spending a lot of time out there. Killian spends a bunch of time skiing all winter. He does ski mountaineering. He's skiing for like six hours a day sometimes. So he's putting in these major training weeks, and then he goes out for a three-hour run. Whether or not his weekly mileage is really over eighty miles a week is probably not. But he's doing all the supplemental stuff, and he's doing a lot of climbing. I think it would be hard to, to win a race like comrades without being in, in at least sub two twenty marathon type of shape. And for that, unless you're really talented, you usually have to run probably over 80 miles a week for most people. So, uh, you know, the higher the mileage, generally the better. I ran 150 miles a week at Cornell once, and that was my maximum. And it, it was too much for me. Couldn't handle it. Uh, and there's some, you know, injury risk as well, but yeah, top ultra runners, a lot of times they don't run as much mileage as, as top road marathon runners, I'd say.
0: Maybe we should get some like definitions out of the way. If we're going to come up with the best ultra races, does an ultra have to be more than 42 kilometers? Or, I don't know, like Killian Jornet, I think he's done a Sky Marathon or some of those less than a marathon distance. Like, should we include very hard mountain races in these things that aren't over the marathon distance? Like, I don't know. We don't even, we don't even have – we're an hour into this. We don't even have the definitions down. But I'm thinking – I'm just kind of thinking okay maybe we should group these we should have yeah. mountain road trail also throw in distance.
1: Well, does that acronym MUT the most people you refer to MUT or if we just say what are the best ultra trail runs ultra runs do people know that means mountain ultra and trail or should we should we rename it what are the most best MUT races and the people who actually use that acronym
2: Well the USATF came up with the MUT acronym I think cuz it's mountain ultra trail under the USATF category and I I even did a a video called MUT runner mountain ultra trail and yeah, that includes shorter races. I mean, the, the technical definition of an ultra is that it has to be longer than 42.2K. It has to be over 26.2 miles. So it's got to be usually a 50K. Uh, some hardcore ultra runners will say, no, the real ultras are only 100 miles. 50K doesn't count. Uh, but I think that's silly. To me, it's all just running. I like the acronym MUT better because some of the most competitive trail mountain races in the world are marathon distance, right? Uh, the Zagama. Look up videos of Zagama on YouTube if you want to see fans cheering during a, a trail race. Uh, it's it's one of the most competitive historic mountain races in the world. Serres and all is only about a 19 or 20 mile race in in the Swiss Alps. It's one of the most competitive trail races in the world. It's not an ultra. So I like the MUT uh, acronym. I, I think it confuses a lot of people. But trail running to me, I don't really care if it's an ultra. You know, if it's a 50K or it's a 42K trail race, I'm going to train pretty similar for it because it's going to be a mountain race and it's going to be over 20 miles. It's going to be tough. But, uh, you know, to me, I, I don't just get caught up on ultras. Most of the races I'm doing this year, are only a marathon.
0: I think we're, I'm going to put you on the spot here in a minute. Maybe give you a second to think about it, but like, what are your top five ultra races? So you can think about that for a second.
1: I feel bad for Sage. We didn't hype folks, his social media presence. I mean, Sage looks like you have a website, sage running.com.
0: That's our
2: coaching business. Yeah.
1: Well, if you want to be coached by Sage, go to SageRunning.com. Also, VO2Max Productions in YouTube. If you just type in Sage Cannon YouTube, it'll take you to VO2Max Productions. Well, he's got over 140,000 followers. Also on Twitter, it's at Sage Cannaday. While you're thinking of your top five lists, Sage, we are talking about like muscle biopsy and stuff like that. Don't you have some Japanese heritage in you?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm uh, half Japanese, ethnicity-wise. Mm-hmm.
1: So that does that make you feel like, yes, I'm going to be naturally good at the marathon. Like,
2: uh, I admire the, the depth and the tradition of Japanese marathon running. And, uh, like I said, the, I mentioned, uh, the world record in the hundred K is, is very impressive as well with, uh, Kazami and just like the discipline and the lifestyle, you know, I, I, I'm like fourth generation Japanese American. So like my parents, my grandparents didn't even speak Japanese, uh, growing up, but,
1: you're not going to be joining a corporate Japanese accounting team anytime soon.
2: No, no. Um, but yeah, I definitely admire the the culture, and it yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a cool uh, training approach, and the depth that they have for such a, a small country, relatively small country, is is pretty amazing.
0: And I heard that Yuki Kawuchi's brother is an ultra marathon runner. Is that true, Stage?
2: It is. Yeah, I was just looking up the results of the um, Lake Sonoma. Sar- 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 I believe there's a a hundred k race in japan where this guy ran the 609 and uh younger brother ran in that race i believe he ran like a 620 um and to put that in perspective max king's american record is is around 620 i believe as well that's the american record for 100k
0: is max king still competing
2: he is yeah he did uh the golden trail series race that i did last year uh with solomon uh he had some injury issues though so i think he like he was doing 100k uh, actually he did Lake Sonoma a couple weeks ago. These were part of the golden, uh, ticket races. I think he wanted to qualify for Western States, but he had to drop out. So he didn't get it, but yeah, he's still, he's still running.
0: All right, Robert, speaking of still running, I will give you a hundred bucks. If you can tell me who this person is, Jeff Browning.
1: How do you spell the last name? I couldn't
0: Browning B R O W I N G.
1: He is a famous old runner who got second place at the,
0: Good. Actually, that's, uh, that's close. He is 47 years old on two different websites. Sage, they have him as the, uh, you can say, if you agree with this, as the number two ultra runner of the year last year in 2018, I swear I'd never heard of him, or maybe I've heard of the name, but I run far had him as the second best ultra runner last year, as did ultra running magazine, but he's 47 Sage. So like you can keep doing this. Would you say he's really the second best ultra runner? or is it some of these, uh, we haven't even mentioned Dean Karnasas, but I think sometimes I figure that people who really cover the sport aren't going to follow for sort of gimmicky, but I feel like Dean Carnassus, he was voted like ESPN endurance athlete of the year, I think a couple times, like all endurance sport. And that was a joke because the ultra world wouldn't have viewed him as even the top ultra runner those years. But I think sometimes things that are unique instead of like really difficult get played up in the ultra world, or maybe more with a pop culture world when they look at ultra. But would you say just Jeff, a 47 year old number two ultra guy last year, would you go along with that?
2: Jeff is very good. Uh, he has, he's beat me head to head. Uh, and he's, he's amazing because he's in his forties. It gives me hope that I could still run well at ultras in my forties. Uh, the ultra, that ranking list is only North American ultra runners. So alternative magazine does that ranking. It's only mainly u.s runners uh so it's not a worldwide ranking and it's it's voted on by a panel jeff did uh do well in a lot of really big races uh like western states he's done really well at run rabbit run uh and it's amazing you know he's he's got a family uh he's he's very good uh for sure um yeah the ranking i'm not going to get too into that i mean he's definitely really good. It's, it's impressive. Uh, but it's, that was just a U.S. ultra trail ranking and they're very biased with hundred mile distances usually as well. I'll, I'll say that he's not going to show up at comrades or interesting.
0: Yeah. Cause I see now that the, I run far, same thing. That was North American rankings and they both had Courtney DeWalter and Jim Wolsley as number one. Yeah. And they're very good as well.
1: This is, I don't want to have you anger your fellow competitors, but, if comrades is the number one marathon, is there someone that comes out as the LA Kipchoge right now of the ultra scene? Like, is there a clear cut heavyweight champ right now?
2: Uh, if for comrades?
1: No, just for any. No, just overall an entire ultra.
2: Well, then then you're getting into the definitions. With are we including mutt? Are we are you know? Well, That's the ult-
1: problem with our our, our thing, and we've got to decide. I think most, wanna...
2: most people would say Killian Killian Jornet because he has the range in all mountain races, whether it's a uh, uh, half marathon or it's a hundred miles. He, he wins or podiums at most races in the mountains. Uh, I, you know, he doesn't do the runnables, the pavement stuff. He doesn't do the flat stuff, but he is the King of the mountains. The guys that win UTMB Francois Dane or, uh, Xavier, um, you know, those guys that win UTMB, they're really good. Winning UTMB is a, a huge accomplishment. So, that gives you a lot of credit in the ultra-
1: Killian Jordan is a little like Pete Sampras. There's a flaw in his game. He can't win the French Open. Killian doesn't
0: do the roads. So why can't he win the UTMB, Sage, if he's so good at mountains? Who? Killian? Yeah.
2: He's won UTMB multiple times. Okay. He was second. He actually dropped out last year because he got stung by a bee, supposedly. But uh, the year before, or two years before, he was second. uh, And he's he's also won it multiple times.
1: Is this the guy that may or may not have- Everest he did the
2: Everest uh, the Everest record um that's a totally different story I don't know if I want to get into that but he's he's the king of the mountains he's been around for forever he he's he's really good he's really good he's a really good technical runner he's a mountain athlete
0: I was hoping to go the whole podcast without totally exposing my ignorance but you think they'll notice an hour and 15 minutes in that I didn't know that Killian had won UTMB
2: uh well the hardcore ultra fans i mean it's been a while since he's he's won there but yeah i forgot it's been so long yeah
1: all right say we're gonna we're gonna make you leave give it give us your five top races here
0: wait now i think americans are fascinated by walmsley just or at least maybe i am because he has a track background and he's so killian is a better ultra runner i guess i didn't find worldwide rankings but you would say killian's right now the number one and would you say Jim Walmsley's number two or am I just too American centric and has Killian ever won Western States or even run Western States
2: oh you're gonna get yeah Killian's won Western States he ran a slower time at Western States than Jim did though because Jim has the course record at Western States but they haven't gone head-to-head that much the only time they've really gone head-to-head was at UTMB when Killian got second and Jim got fifth uh and they went head-to-head at UTMB last year and they both dropped out so they really haven't raced each other head Who to won head. Uh, Xavier, Xavier, how do you pronounce his name?
1: Wow. So he won. One's the number one then I'm going. Through
2: well, that. no, that's if you just count UTMB. No, they both haven't done comrades either. Uh, I believe there's a ITRA scoring system, International Trail Running Association scoring system. And I believe Jim is ranked ahead of Killian on that scoring system. Uh, Cause Jim has has won a lot of big competitive races in the U S uh, Lake Sonoma, course record there, win there, Tarawera races like that. But they they really haven't raced each other head to head that much. Um, it's, uh, you know, Killian's been around for a really long time. Jim's been around for three, four years. Uh, you know, a lot of the US mountain ultra runners have a, a track background. You know, Tim Tolson's been third twice at, at UTMB. He's only a 218 marathoner. He was only a 1430 5k guy like me in college. And he's been one of the most consistent, uh, Americans at UTMB Zach Miller, who is, uh, I don't think he ever cracked 31 minutes for 10 K in college is one of the best ultra runners in the U S and he's been top 10 at UTMB. He's won the North face 50 mile endurance challenge in San Francisco twice over guys like, uh, Hayden Hawks and Tim Ferriss. So he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with as well. It's hard to rank guys unless they race head to head against each other. It's
0: like, Usain Bolt and Justin Gatlin. It sounds like who knew? Even the ultra marathoners are ducking each other.
2: I don't know if they duck each other. It's just they get pulled into different races because they're they're more lucrative or they're more passionate about certain races.
0: All right, Sage. We need it. your top five ultra races. So
2: the are these by comp- competition, competitive bucket list races for me or for people in general? You didn't you didn't specify that there.
1: That's the problem. How do you think we should have the outlets run audience specified or should we have two or three different lists? I think we
2: need categories. I could do most competitive ultras in the world. That's, that was where I would start. Okay. In my
1: opinion. So do you think we should have people do most competitive and then also do bucket list?
0: Cause we were going to do this for marathons and we were like, okay, how we rank them. Then we we're like the best marathons. And then we we're like, it's so subjective. We were debating this internally and Steve employee 1.1 was like, oh, I hate the New York city marathon. I was like, What? like the one i would do because it's terrible for the sub elite so he had a he's like as a sub elite runner it's not that good it's just very interesting Uh, you're not going to get a good fast time it's very interesting how people can be so subjective in their rankings but i think a good place to start on let's run is yeah the fine you want to do the five most competitive ultras in the world let's hear it all
2: right so most competitive i think this is more objective and you know a lot of the hardcore trail mountain guys will give me a hard time for this because they like the trail stuff uh but i'm gonna have to go with some road races to start for the top three, actually. So Comrades, hands down, is the most competitive. Uh, number two, I think, is Two Oceans. Again, it depends on the year a bit, but it's it's also, it's a lot like Comrades. You get a lot of the same guys running uh, 56K. It's, it correlates well to, to the marathon, and you get a lot of guys uh, in Africa that run it. So it, it's a very competitive race. There's good prize money. The next most competitive race, number three, I'd say, is the IAU World 100K Championships on the road. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, you have to make team USA or you, you represent your country. It got a lot of the top Japanese ultra runners all together. It's a standard distance, hundred K on the roads, very good competitive depth. Then number four, we're down to UTMB. It's the greatest mountain race probably in the world. It's the greatest, most competitive ultra in Europe. Uh, it's more competitive than Western States for sure. Cause you get a lot of guys that do both, but you get all the Europeans as well. So, you know, UTMB number four. After that, it's it's really hard. After that, I'd say it's a, it's a big toss-up because it really depends on the year. The North Face 50 mile in San Francisco has been historically very deep. If you look at the top 10 finisher times and the density of the top 10, uh, it's usually very close. Another race is called Transvolcania out in the Canary Islands, owned by Spain on the island of La Palma. That's also historically been a very competitive race. I've run there a couple of times when Killian didn't win uh it depends on the year some years it's more weak than others but it, it's a toss-up for number five i really am struggling to to come up with number five because it, it depends on the year what kind of field gets assembled
1: okay. those are the most competitive but what about the most prestigious like boston may not be the the hardest marathon to, to win like i was thinking about if you had me rank the world marathon majors i would definitely say london first but then i'm like okay who do i get second like and it's really almost personal preference like our employee, Steve, Steve Soprano, your teammate at Cornell, was like, Oh, Berlin. I'm like, Berlin? No way. I, I'd have to go with probably, I don't know, Boston or New York next just because of the prestige factor. So,
2: okay, prestige factor, then you throw in Western states. You throw in Western states for sure, uh, especially for North American athletes.
1: But would that be ahead of Two Oceans?
2: Uh, it's more well known than Two Oceans in, in most places parts of of europe and the u.s but there's the geography if
1: you won two oceans or if you won western states are you getting a lot more money from winning western states in terms of your shoe contract
2: it would be similar it would be similar i think it would be harder for me personally to win two oceans than it would be to win western states but it would be hard for me to do both i don't really like western states because it's a net downhill (laughs)
1: So what other are the real prestigious ones besides Western States?
2: Say, do you need to start it up Western
0: States? They need to reverse the course or something.
2: I would love it if they reverse the course. The problem is, you'd be running into the dark when you get into bear country. You'd be running up towards a uh, uh, Squaw Valley, uh, up in the the high alpine environment, and it'd start to be for most people, it'd be getting dark, and there would be a lot of bears out. I already saw a massive bear during Western States in the middle of the afternoon, and it, it was kind of scary. So that's probably part of the reason they don't want people to encounter bears at at night.
0: But if you're running UTMB 24 hours at night in the mountains in Switzerland, or aren't there bears? Europe. Uh, I don't, not as
2: many, you're not as isolated. You're not out in the forest as much. You drop into major, you drop into little towns and villages and there's huts along the way and there's people lining the course. And it's a, it's a race with several thousand runners. So you're never really alone. Whereas at Western States, it's, it's only a couple hundred runners and you're, in the high alpine environment, at the first 30 miles, you're you're in bear country, definitely. Now, UTMB, I, I don't think there's a lot of bears in those mountains, if any.
1: So besides Western States, what are the big prestigious ones that we didn't have in your top five list?
2: You know, then I would actually go down to, to 42K races, uh, but I don't know if you want to count those.
1: Oh, yes, definitely.
2: Okay, then, then Z- Zagama. Zagama in uh, Basque country, northern Spain is definitely one of the most prestigious um, races. It's got the history. It's 42K, you know, Mount Blanc Marathon, Sierras and all in Switzerland has a huge history. It's some of the most competitive uh, mountain races in the world, if not the most competitive. And then you've got things like the, the World Mountain Running Association World Championships where you're only running 12K, but it's the it's the World Mountain Running Team. I've done it before. You represent your country, Team USA, uh, Joe Gray does it a lot. He's been on the team a number of times, but you get you get teams from Uganda. You got we had one year there was a guy that the Olympic marathon champion got sixth place at the World Mountain Running Championships, uh the South African runner. Um so it's a very competitive mountain race, but it's only twelve K. So and we're not gonna it's obviously not an ultra, but it's it's mountain running.
0: Yeah, what doesn't Joe Gray do more. Does he do some of these really long ones yet, or he hasn't done those yet?
2: He's done a couple 50Ks, but they've been pretty low-key. I don't think he – yeah, he, he doesn't do anything over 50K, really. He's really good at at the half marathon and mountain running, and he's got the 28-minute 10K speed. He's got the you know, 102, 103 half marathon speed. His marathon, I think he's around 218 maybe. Uh, so I, I don't think he likes the the longer distances as much, or he realizes it's not – maybe in his sweet spot or his focus. I, it might change as he gets older. I think he's probably in his early 30s, so maybe he'll move up as he gets into his mid-30s.
0: Got it. Is there money at the at the IAU 100K World Championships?
2: Uh, you know, I've never done them before. Uh, you would definitely get a bonus for being for most sponsors, we give you a bonus for doing well there for sure, because it, you could say I'm world champion and even making team USA, a lot of times you get, uh, there's financial incentive to make your national team. So it's not a ton of money though. It wouldn't be a ton of money. So it's not quite as lucrative to, to do some of the, they also have a trail championship, but it's, which is pretty deep. It's been, it's been getting more competitive, but it's the financials. It's not as lucrative. It's more lucrative financially as an American ultra runner to do really well at a hundred miles and the longer
1: ultras.
0: Got it. All right, Robert, you got any final questions for Sage?
1: Uh, I think Sage has helped me. I've come up with my triple crown, the comrades UTMB in Western States. i Rojo's early list for the triple crown. I'm now confused though, if I'm going to do the most competitive and then bucket list, or also most prestigious. I might have to have three lists, but anyways, Sage, it's been an honor to teach to talk to you. Oh, thanks for having me on. So much enjoyed it. We've we've gone way more than our hour. We've gone almost an hour and a half. But I'm sure that uh, everyone will enjoy it.
2: Yeah, no, it's really cool. <laughs> thanks.
1: I hope the ultra and, and trail crowd doesn't get too upset with us. Look, look, people, we want to learn your sport. It's fascinating to us. We like the fact that it's unpredictable a lot. We want to bring. Actually, I don't know if I should bring Kipchoge into it because then might become more predictable, or maybe even if he lost, it would be even better. So like the Olympic marathon champion losing, but fantastic stuff. We'll be following you, Sage, as you win comrades, on your way to winning it in a few weeks.
2: Yes, I'll try my best. <laughs> comrades. It's
0: Comrades. Comrades. You got the name right the first time, Robert. <laughs> now he's got it wrong. It's
1: like Abu Dhabi versus Abu Dhabi. It's Abu Dhabi.
0: No, it's good. It's good. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's unpredictable.
2: And part of the draw is running in beautiful places and, and experiencing that because it's so different running in the mountains and trails and in, in different countries. And that variety, I think a lot of ultra trail runners like being out in the woods, being out in nature, running into bears.
0: Thanks to Hoka for sponsoring this. And I guess this podcast will probably go up on Thursday. And if we haven't launched the hoka what are the best ultras in the world on let's run be sure to check out next week because by then i think we're going to have fine-tuned it and we're going to give away some great prizes to let's run visitors who help us frame this debate so that'll be going on for the entire month of may sage thank you good luck with the running short long and ultra all
2: right thank you really appreciate it all right keep up the great work